0: Welcome to God's Word Transforming Lives podcast. I am your host, Amy Diane Ross, wife, mother, Bible teacher, who's passionate to disciple women through life using the Word of God. On this podcast, we will use the Bible to discuss topics that we all face from emotional and mental struggles, married life, single life, physical health, and everything in between. If you are ready to live in victory in every area of your life while learning the Word of God, I'm here to help. The Bible really does have all the answers for life's crazy roller coaster ride and I'm excited that you have chose me to ride along with you. Welcome to today's episode. I am so excited to have you here. We are going to be talking about the eight warning signs when searching for a godly husband. Have you been searching for a godly husband and you thought, looks like a unicorn, unable to be found? Have you decided that, A, forget it, I've given up, I'm not even going to try to find anybody and get married? Or B, I really want to be married, so I'm compromising in my relationships and deciding to take less than what God has for me? Well, today's lessons are going to come from Ruth chapter 1. We're going to talk about... The importance of not settling for just a half-hearted godly man. Okay, so we have been talking about Ruth, and if you ever heard any of those episodes or watched my YouTube video, I do have Ruth, the uh, Book of Ruth, line by line, on YouTube. So feel free to jump over and look at that. But so Naomi was um, married to a man who when a famine had come into their land, they were in the land of Judah. And so when a famine had come into the land, he decided that he was going to take his family off into another land for survival. And it, at first, it kind of seems like, well, that's really honorable. Like he's moving his family out of Judah and into another land to, to survive, you know, because there's a famine. And, you know, and, and we can look at it that way. However, what we need to be looking at is the fact that A, God gave them this land and God is their God. And her husband should have trusted God to provide for them instead of going into a pagan land, a a land that was not honoring God, a land that was full of idolatry, full of pagan worship, that was not going to be healthy to raise his sons in. Also, there were other areas, surrounding areas that were part of the land of God that he had given to his people that he could have taken his family into so he decides to take his family into this pagan land this pagan culture and lead them into this culture and so she obviously heard her two sons followed them into the land and when well, we know that the land eventually um terminated them it became part of who they were because the two sons ended up marrying Moabite women which god had forbidden forbid, it, forbid for them to be married to uh, Moabite women or pagan women. And so now Naomi is stuck in this land with her husband, her two sons, they have married Moabite women. So just a pagan idolatry, you know, not God honoring um, land that she is surrounded by. And so what happens to her is why we're having this conversation today about a godly man. Because it is vital, ladies, that we marry a man that is going to lead us and lead our family into the ways of God, into what God has said to how to raise a family, how to live in this world, how to be as, as Christian, separated people onto him. And so this is vital. You know, this decision that him bringing his family into that land, it cost Naomi everything. Her husband eventually died. Both of her sons died. Both of the the daughter-in-laws were barren. God did not bless them with children. So it literally left her utterly alone without her family as far as her husband and her um, two sons. In the second she got, the minute she became free from these men, she immediately went back to Judah, back to her hometown to serve and worship her God the way that she knows he had commanded them to worship. And so all that to say, listen, I don't want you to get into a relationship where you are you have to wait for your husband to die in order for you to be able to walk in your gifts and callings, to walk in the way that God has called you to. And so we're gonna try to prevent that today by giving you some signs of what to avoid. If you are dating somebody, looking at dating somebody, maybe you're engaged to somebody, thinking about marrying them, Well, let's take a look at what are eight red flags that if these flags are presented, then you need to prayerfully consider your decision because this is a lifelong decision that not only affects you, but will affect your children. So number one, this is the biggest red flag, ladies. The willingness to have sex outside of marriage is the biggest red flag. If he is willing to take you to bed, if he is willing to jeopardize your purity before the Lord, then how are you going to trust him to lead you in your marriage and to lead your children in the right way, in the ways of the Lord? This is huge. A lot of men are um, justifying, and it's not just men. I get that women too, but I'm talking to women today. I'm talking to women about finding a godly husband. Do you know that, I I think the statistic now is 87% of all single Christians that go to church on a regular basis are having sex outside of marriage. And this is forbidden by God. The marriage bed is for the covenant marriage. God designed it that way. And so this is not gonna be a, a podcast on sex outside of marriage. I do have a video on sexual morality that you can go watch on YouTube if you'd like, but that's not what this is about. We This is a huge red flag. This is a red flag that says he is not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is not being led by the Holy Spirit. He is willing to compromise you already for his own selfish needs and desires. This is huge. And so this needs to be the number one biggest red flag. That if he is willing to take you to bed outside of marriage, I don't care what his excuse is. I don't care if he says, well, we're going to be married in a week anyway. We're going to be married and we're already engaged. We're doing this. Doesn't matter. He is not protecting your purity before the Lord. He's not honoring the Lord by being obedient to the word of God. That's a huge red flag. Also, you are a daughter of the king. Would he do that in front of your father? Would he bring you to your parents' house and be like, hey, I'm going to go head up into the spare bedroom. I'm going to take your daughter up there. He would never, at least I would hope not, right? he would be on his best behavior. Well, guess what? Your father in heaven is watching. Your father in heaven is present in this. Okay. And he is dishonoring the King's daughter. And so that's your number one flag. All right. Um, and I want to do want to reference second Timothy three, six through seven, where You know, Paul warns that in the end days, that the last days, you know, he talked about the rebellion and and how people are just going to rebel against God, rebel against his word, rebel against authority, rebel against the elders, whatever. But there's also, there's these men in those days are going to creep in to women's bedrooms and deceive them. Are you being deceived by a man who's professing Christ, but willing to take you to bed? That's a question that you'll need to answer. These men are, they They have Bible verses memorized. They say all the right language, but their actions are what we need to be looking at. And that's what we're looking at here. Number two, he drinks alcohol often and or even gets drunk. He smokes pot, uh, uses mind-altering substances, has a foul mouth with cursing. He, he cusses, he's foul-mouthed. He enjoys rated R movies that are sexually explicit or really have a lot of vile, profane things in them. His entertainment, he just, he has no real conscience of, um, refraining from the things of this world, refraining from, um, you know, filthy language, um, movies that are not honoring to the Lord. He's not, um, walking, um. And sobriety. Now we're not talking about the Christian liberty to drink a glass of wine. That's for another subject. I'm talking about a man who drinks often, you know, has to come home, has to have a beer, has to just wants that drinking, likes to go out and drink, um, gets drunk at times, um, thinks it's okay to smoke pot and get high. Um, he just, he is just taken in by worldly pr- pleasures and worldly things. This is a red, red flag, ladies, the Bible forbids us to get drunk and alcohol should have no control over us. Okay. We are to be sober minded, um, and not participate in things that are mind altering. And there is some beautiful teaching on that. And I will talk about that in in another podcast, but we're just going over some quick signs here. You know, God is gracious to forgive us. I'm not saying let's pick each other apart and oh my gosh and you're not perfect so I can't marry no but these are big red flags because right now his best foot is forward for you right now he's convincing you that he's a godly man that you're to marry him that he's gonna be a great father and a great husband so his best foot is forward period what best foot is forward right when we're dating as women we're our best foot is forward right we're we're presenting the best version of ourselves and so he's presenting the best version of himself, okay? Well, the, these are red flags because you, you, we'll talk about this in a minute, but keep that in mind. He's giving you the best version of himself right now. So what's it going to be like once you marry him and there's not an incentive to have the best version of himself forward, right? Okay, we'll talk about that. Number three, his friends are all worldly. The people that he hangs out with, his best friends, the people that he really enjoys the most company with, they're all worldly. They go to bars. They have sex outside of marriage with women. They smoke, drink, whatever, whatever. Or maybe they're just, they're really nice people, but they're holy of the world. They're atheistic or they don't believe in God or they hold the new age practices or whatever it is. But he is surrounded by worldly friends. If you ever heard that saying, you are who you hang with, well, this is true for Christians. Do not be deceived for bad company corrupts good morals. That's in Corinthians, right? We are not to be equally on yoke with unbelievers because what does light have to do with darkness? When we come out from the world, when we become born again, our worldly friends are going to have less and less and less in common with us. It doesn't mean that that we're bad people or we suddenly become self-righteous or we treat them differently. It's just that our lives change so dramatically when we become born again that we pivot into a new lifestyle that they don't have a desire for. I stopped drinking. I stopped cussing. I stopped smoking. I stopped um, having sex outside of marriage. I stopped whatever, you know, I started dressing differently, going to different places and my entertainment looked differently. Right. So, so by, by default, my friendships shifted. Now I still am friends with people that I hung out with 20 years ago, you know, on Facebook or whatever. And I love them and I pray for them and, and I'm there for them if they ever need me, but we really don't have anything in common anymore. Okay? I don't go out to the bars anymore. I don't drink anymore. I don't participate in the unfruitful works of darkness. And so my friends now are all Christian. I hang out with Christians all that's my life. My life is my brothers and sisters and, um, you are my life. And so that is where that's at. So is he unbothered? Is his friends unbothered about his new life? If they're unbothered, they, then that means he's compromised And he, because the world will hate us. Jesus warned us of that. That's that's truth. They just will. And again, it may not be a thing where I hate you, but it's going to be I don't identify with you anymore. And so, again, if he is, has all kinds of worldly friends and is able to participate in a lot of worldly things, then that's a huge red flag. Red flag that he is like he's not following the commandments of the Lord are likely may have not had a born again experience yet. Okay. Number four, he has no desire to read his Bible in his free time. The only time you see him with his Bible, if you even see him with his Bible is when you guys are in church or in a Bible study, or he has to make it look good in front of other people. Otherwise he's not in his Bible. He has no desire for the things of God. He has no desire for the word of God. He doesn't have an intention of desiring to study the word or really be about the word. The word of God tells a godly man that he is to wash his wife with the word of God. So if he doesn't have a desire for the word for himself, if he is not um, washing himself with the word, how is he going to wash you with the word? And trust me, sister, when you get married and life hits and work is stressful and uh, the bills need paid and the kids are crying and, you know, Whatever else comes up, because this world is not easy, this life is not easy, um, you're going to need a man, and you're going to want a man who washes you in the word, who can bring you back to what God's word says, who is not only washing you in the word, but washing himself in the word, and then trust me, you're going to want him to wash your children in the word and in love of the word now we're not talking about just knowledge of the word like well he does talk about he's able to quote a lot of scriptures and he seems to know the word okay but is it in his from his head to his heart is he obedient to the word does he walk in the ways of the word is he a, is he just a hearer of the word or a doer of the word because that's the test knowledge pops up when it's not put into action all right. So does he have a desire for God's word? Because the Holy spirit has been given to us and will give us a desire for God's word, a desire to learn the word, to know the word, to, to hide the word in our heart. The word that the, the Bible talks about in Deuteronomy, that we're to meditate on the word of God day and night, meditate meditate on God's word day and night. I mean, it, we, it just should be so a part of our lives. All right. Number five, church is just a religious duty. Not a lifestyle. So we are the church, okay? I, we talk about that all the time. be the church. We are the church. We are the living temples of God, okay. So church is technically not a building that you go to. We are the church. But let's so let's just but because of how we kind of have brought it into the culture, let's just talk about how the culture talks about it. going to church, right? on a Sunday morning. Going to church. Is it just a religious duty? Like we go to church because we kind of have to. It just makes us feel better. It's more of a social club. I mean, we don't want to feel guilty for not going. Or does he have a desire to really be around godly people outside of church? Does he enjoy serving in his local church? Does he love going to the men's Bible studies? Does he enjoy being around the fellowship of the believers, whether it's um, Bible study, Sunday morning worship, going on outreaches, doing um, other Christian activities? Does he really enjoy being in a body of believers and being about our father's business together in community? Does he really enjoy church life or community life, or is it like a burden? And like, do I have to, and I don't feel like I don't want to do that. That gets in the way of my life and my plans and my, you know, that's a huge red flag because God called a group of people to come together in a local community and, and, and love one another and serve one another and serve the community and build his kingdom. And within that, there's going to be a lot of being together, a lot of doing things together. and, and, And there's a lot of different types of, you know, church activities. And, and we should love that and want to be that. I love being in fellowship with my brothers and sisters. Like if I could be in fellowship, like every day with my brothers and sisters, I would. And there was a time when I was like almost every, like literally, like almost every day I was with my brothers and sisters doing community life together. It was like some of the happiest times of my life because it was just so fulfilling. So enriching. We were building God's kingdom. We were in unity. We just love each other, you know? And so I'm I'm in a different season right now where I'm not with the body every day or all the time, like I was, but when I do get to spend time with the body, like I love it. Like I can't wait. I just, I just get so excited to spend time with my brothers and sisters i look forward to being in worship on sunday mornings i look forward to being in bible studies together i look forward to doing outreaches and serving together and so this is a this is a sign number six does he already have a close submitted relationship to the elders to the elders this is important is he somebody that's been going to church? He's been being mentored or discipled by the men of the church, the elders of the church. They have a good relationship. They can speak well of him. They give good testimony. Like, yes, he is submitted to the church. He's not out, you know, living in the world. He's not doing these things. He he shows up to church. He's here. He is um, living a life of holiness. He's, you know, he seems to have, be passionate about the word of God. They can give a good testimony about him. And he has that submitted spirit about him. Um, cause that's very important because he, if he is not submitted to God if he's submitted to the elders of our faith, then he is not going to know how to submit to the gifts and callings in your life. He is not going to submit when things get tough, when things get hard. And if he's not already submitted, he's not going to submit when it gets hard to the elders of the faith and say, you know, hey, you're not loving your wife as like Christ loves the church, or you're, you know, we really need to correct some things. He's not gonna submit to that. So if he's not already submitted while you're dating him and he's not truly in a surrendered state with the the body of Christ, then that's a huge red flag for you because you want a man who understands submission because you're gonna be submitting to him. And so does he really understand submission to Jesus Christ? And does he understand submission to one another? And does he understand submission to the elders of the faith? This is very important. And so red flag number seven. Was he actively engaged in sinful behavior when he started talking to you, but has had a sudden change and now is no longer participating in those things just since he started dating you or started wanting to date you? This is a red flag for many reasons. One, uh, I see this a lot. I see this probably more, I probably see this more than I see it any other way guy sees girl guy likes girl guy needs to get girl men are all about the chase so guy needs to clean his act up in order to get girl but once he gets girl his you'll realize his act wasn't really cleaned up that he wasn't truly born again and did not have a born again experience with jesus christ because it takes the holy spirit to live out a life of holiness okay? We can't do it apart from the Holy Spirit. We can't. It's it, we. You can only do it for so long or we're white knuckling it. It really is a supernatural power that helps pull us out of this world and then take the desires of this world from us. And it is a sanctification process. So many men because they love the chase. They love the godly woman that you are. They love your sweet spirit, your submitted spirit. And they think, oh man, she's going to cook for me. She's going to submit to me. She's going to be this wonderful wife. She's going to, you know, she'll never cheat on me, you know, because you're the Christian, you're the trusting one. And so he's going to make sudden changes to put his best foot forward so that he can win you over. I see this all the time. And so This is a, this is a huge red flag. Um, oftentimes they will go back to their sinful behavior or their true personality will come out after they have gotten you. So this is a situation. If you are dating somebody who has just recently pivoted this way, who has recently come out from a bunch of trepidoodle, they were, they were having sex outside of marriage. They were drinking, they were blah, 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 but all of a sudden they just started changing for you. I would highly, highly, highly recommend that you pull back with the elders and give the elders time to disciple him and you go and do your thing. And if God does do a work in him over time, over time, apart from you. So like, you know, you're not together anymore. He does a work, brings you guys back together, praise God, give him time to be truly discipled through the scriptures. Most times, sister, I've seen this over and over again, nine times out of 10, he ends up walking away. He ends up, he'll try it for a minute. He'll try it for a few weeks or maybe even a few months to try to convince you that he is this new godly creation. But once that manipulation is not working, a lot of times they disappear. And, and they go off and they find another woman. That, that is typically what happens. But you have to get strong enough to say, I am not going to be like Naomi. And I'm not going to have me and my children led into the land of Babylon, led into sin, led into the things that are not of the Lord. I am going to stand my ground, even if that means I'm single for a, a while longer. Number eight, it's a red flag. Is he a recent convert? Now, you might think, well, gosh, that's so judgmental. He just got saved. That's amazing. He just got saved. Okay, but... Seven and eight kind of go hand in hand. Maybe he is a recent convert. Like maybe you literally just met him um, and he actually got saved like three months ago. So like he was already going to church for like three months. He was saved, He's you know, doing all the the Christian things, whatever. Um, He has a great testimony in these past three months, super excited, super on fire for God. And then you just happened to meet him. And so his conversion has nothing to do with you. Praise God. That's great. But we see that a lot in the, in the, in the parable of the sowing of seeds, where people get excited about God, they get excited about things, and then they fall away because the world kind of comes back in and into the cares of the world or things like that. The seed just gets taken away or maybe not. Maybe he truly is like, he really did become born again. Well, then sis, I need you to leave him alone for at least a year. Okay. Because here's what needs to happen. He needs to fall in love with Jesus, his new God, his, his new master, the Lord, Jesus Christ, who has saved him and set him free. And he does not need distractions right now. You want him to fall in love with Jesus. You need him to fall in love with Jesus. You need him to be discipled apart from you for a while. If it's truly meant to be, God will bring you guys back together. But for now, honor his new conversion by letting him alone to be alone with God for a season. It's very important, we do disciple, uh, uh, people who come in and they just become born again and they're single. And one of the very first things we encourage them is do not go out and get into a relationship. You're single, stay single, we want you to fall in love with Jesus. We want you to learn his word, get foundational teachings, really know who you are in Christ, understand more about who you are because why love is intoxicating. It's like a drug. I'm telling you, love is like a drug. It like intoxicates you. It makes you go woo woo. You lose your marbles. So if you're really rooted and grounded with a solid foundation of loving Jesus Christ, and really loving his word, and you know who he is, and you know who you are, and you've had some time to walk out some sanctification. You've had some time to allow the Holy Spirit to work some things out of you. That's what he needs. He needs that time, okay? And I and I know you, you're all giddy and like, oh my gosh, he's so cute. He just got saved, and we can go, and we can evangelize to the world, and we can do all these things, and praise God. But let him have the time to marinate in the Lord for a while, okay? And, and let the elders do what they need to do to help him become the man of God that you want. You want that man of God. And so allow God and and, and elders and mature Christians to do for him what he needs done for a short season, or see a year or two or however long it takes. And then and just be praying for him and, and praying that God, if this is the one that hand my heart to him and his heart to mine, and you meanwhile, continue to pursue your relationship with Jesus Christ, continue to pursue your relationship in the walk and the call that you have. Um, we need to be trusting God more ladies in these situations. Okay. This is a life altering decision that you're about to make. None of these red flags, um, if avoided, ensures that you're going to still marry a godly man because we do live in a society where anybody can be anything for six months. Anybody can be anything. We're we're really good at wearing masks in our society. And so they might put, again, their best foot is forward right now. And so I would caution you before making such a lifelong decision for you and your children, take the time to test the fruit. Take the time to see if he's truly walking with the Lord or not. Give it a, a year or so. Don't just rush right into it. Um, you know, just kind of give it time. Be prayerful. Be fasting. Uh have accountability partners. Don't Go be alone with him for any reason, allowing lust to come in, allowing things to come in that are displeasing to the Lord. It is difficult out there today. It is difficult to restrain this flesh. And so it's important that you are have you're accountable and you're submitted to God. You guys are submitted to godly elders, um, that you have godly wise counsel surrounding you guys, really helping you guys through these decisions and just be willing to trust God that his timing is perfect and don't rush into things and if you are seeing these red flags please please hear me it's not worth it it's not worth it sister you need to stop the engagement stop the wedding stop the date whatever it is remove yourselves from the from any sinful behaviors and activities that you have gotten entrapped in by being with this man go to your elders immediately and sit down with them and be honest I'm in this relationship. This is what we've been doing. I want to change. I want to be obedient to the Lord. Or I'm, you know, I really, you know, we want to be right with God. Don't go rush and get married just so you can start having sex and feel free in your heart. Okay, well, we can just now. Let's we'll go get married tomorrow and be free and have sex. That's not how it works, honey. It's a heart change. A marriage certificate doesn't change the heart. It just change. It just all of a sudden dulls the conscience. But lust is lust, okay? And so don't go doing that. What I want you to do is step back. Don't be a people pleaser. Even if your wedding is next week and these red flags are here, it is not worth the rest of your life in misery and in dysfunction and in toxicity. And not being able to pursue the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength because he's hindering you. You're not raising your kids up in the way that you go because he's hindering the whole family. Pull back. Put a break on it and get with some elders, okay? If you, um, and and this is a disclaimer, because I know I'm talking to single women here, by the way, I'm not talking to married women. So married women, if you are listening to this podcast or you're watching this um, on YouTube, please don't give up. Please don't give up. God can redeem all things. He, I have seen men who have completely turned around and become an amazing godly husband, an amazing godly father. Okay. And God has made all things right, but God is not guaranteed to make all things right like that. He doesn't promise you. So single ladies don't go into the relationship with hope that he will change because he may not, he may not change. And I know marriages where they never did change and most of them, they don't. And so please be very careful with that. I'm um, so excited to um, just continue to get to know you guys. If you need further um would like some further counsel on this. Every, every relationship is unique. Every situation is unique. So please understand, I'm not giving you a blanket counseling advice. I don't probably even know you. So don't just take what I say and go, Oh, okay. Well, this girl said we got to break up right now. And maybe you do, but um, definitely talk to elders. If you want deeper um, discipleship with me, you can go to my website. You can schedule a conference call with me. We can talk about your individual situation. And see if I can, you know, biblically lead you and and guide you in any way. And I'll be happy to do that. Um, So um, that's about it. Your homework this week is going to be to, again, get up 15 minutes early. When you open your beautiful eyeballs, do not pick up your cell phone. Okay. We don't care what the world has to say to us first. We need to hear what our father has to say to us first. Get up, grab your Bible and spend 15 minutes at least with the Lord. Just talking to him praying to him, communing with him. And then I recommend, because we're working through Ruth right now, go ahead and read the book of Ruth chapter one and just see where God has you. I have your homework assignments are going to be in the show links below. Click on that. It'll have journal prompts for you. Um, And again, if you guys need anything else from me, um, I am here. So we are going to, like I said, just check your homework for everything. Disclaimer, just remember, um, I do not know you personally. And so I am not giving you counseling advice as far as psychology. I am just a Bible teacher who disciples women through the word of God. And so all the advice I give you, I can only give you from the authority of the word of God, by the power of God. And so I'm just hoping that you'll learn the word, making positive transformations in your life. Remember, we are not a microwave faith. We are a crockpot faith. It takes time and just continue to come around, stick around, and um, I will, I just cannot wait to be a part of watching uh, your transformation um, through discipleship as I get to know you better. God bless you. I pray you enjoyed the teaching today. If God has blessed you in any way, then head over to the review section and leave five stars. I may just share your review right here on this podcast. Also share this episode with anyone you believe will be blessed by today's teachings. If you want to connect with me and be a part of an amazing sisterhood of believers, then head over to our Facebook group. The link and all other links that I mentioned in this show today are in the show notes below. Just click on them and they'll take you where you want to go. As a reminder, be the church today, wherever God has you, shining the light and the love of Jesus. Y'all mean the world to me. Until next time.